Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Well, welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. My conversation partner today is Jody Burnt. Jody is an author, a speaker, a Bible teacher. She's also the creator of the Praying the Scripture series. And if you're not familiar with it, there are multiple volumes. There's Praying the Scriptures for Your Life, Praying the Scriptures for Your Children, Praying the Scriptures for Your Teens, and Praying the Scriptures for Your Adult Children. And I know that these books have been a gift to many people here on staff at Winning at Home, and it's a joy to have Jody in on the conversation today. Jody, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for that nice introduction. It's a delight to be talking with you. So Jody, talk about the backstory for this series. How did this whole idea of praying the scriptures for your life and your family get started? Well, the short answer is that I started writing these books because I needed them. You know, we had four kids in six years, probably like most parents, we didn't really know what we were doing. My husband and I both came from loving intact homes, but as our own kids began to grow and we would see things, whether it was sibling conflict or a lack of diligence or discipline or just kids might get sick. We just saw these different needs they had realized uh, that God wanted to meet them, wanted us to partner with him. You know, he'd given these children to us as a trust and we wanted to steward them well. And we figured, well, he knows how they're wired better than we do. Let's ask him to teach us and to come alongside us and show us how to pray. Yeah, I did the first book, Praying the Scriptures for Your Children, back in, I don't know, 2000 or 2001, thinking it would be the only volume there. If you've seen the book, you know, it ends with prayers for your child's future that include things like their sense of purpose in life and their future marriage partner and that kind of thing. Well, then my children grew a little bit and hit the teenage years. And I realized I hadn't hit things like driving and and dating and experimenting, drinking, all the things our teenagers can get into. And I thought, oh, I better go back to the drawing board and, and find some prayers for that kind of thing. And then, of course, as you might imagine, they grew up even more and hit the adult years. Now all our kids are between ages 26 to 32 or 33. They've got some very adult needs. What do they say? Little people, little problems, big people, big problems. And so there again, I just went back to the Lord and I said, okay, we got to find a job. We got to find a marriage partner. We got to find friends. And then obviously there's trickier things too, that I know your audience knows that our our adult children go through. And we really want to seek God's wisdom and find out what his provision is in his word for those hard times, those, you know, addictions or struggles with identity or um, any of that harder things that our grown-up kids might walk through. Jody, which of the prayers did you find were universal that applied to all four of your children? And which prayers mattered more for certain kids at certain stages of their journeys? That's a great question. And one I don't think anyone's ever asked me before. Every one of our children needs wisdom, right? Every one of our children needs godly friendship. So I think you could take a prayer. And when you know, the titles of the book are praying the scriptures for your children or teens or adult children. And when I use that term, what I mean is I think the Bible is something that we don't just read, but it's something that we pray. It's a starting point in our conversation with God. And so, for example, if um, I would read in Colossians 1, talking about wisdom, where it says, you know, Paul's talking about being filled with the knowledge of God's will through all 
spiritual wisdom and understanding and, and please God in every way, I would read a verse like that and turn it into a prayer for my children, my son, Robbie, Lord, fill Robbie with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual understanding, just through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, may he please you in every way. So I just feel like as I began praying scripturally, uh, my prayers kind of took on a new power and my Bible reading became a lot more interesting to me because, you know, it's filled with all these wonderful principles and promises that we can, that we can pray and, and claim for our children now. So, so I would say those are some common things. We all need to be kind and compassionate. We all need help when it comes to trusting God. But, you know, as you know, our kids walk different paths. They're, they're made up different ways. I, I share in, in one of the books, it might be praying the scriptures for your children. I think I also share it in the adult children book that we would pick one prayer every year and sort of make that our annual focus uh, for a particular child. And every year I would do this at Christmas or New Year's time. Other parents might want to do it at their child's birthday or start of a school year or, you know, just on a random Wednesday. But I think sometimes when we pick one thing to pray about, over a long period of time, we really give God time to work. It's a little bit like financial investing. If you check your portfolio every day, you'll get discouraged if nothing's <laughs> happened or if, things, if it seemed to get worse. But with a, a prayer like that, for example, I had a son who was in kindergarten and was really um, lacking self-control and self-discipline. Uh, he was very athletic and that was a great thing, except it meant he could also hit his friends and make it count. And, you know, it was just a hard season. And I was praying and parenting to the best of my abilities and the needle wasn't moving and I was getting discouraged. And I got to the point where I thought, I am going to take this child and just get him a pack of cigarettes and put him out on the street corner because that's where he's going to wind up anyway. So I'm going to save myself a lot of grief by just going right there. And I had some sweet praying friends who came alongside me and said, you know what, we'll pray for him with you. And, and they did. And I chose a verse that year out of Proverbs 23, verse 22 and 23, I think, where it was help Robbie get wisdom, discipline and understanding. Let him be the righteous man who brings joy to his parents, the wise son in whom we delight. And that was my annual prayer for Robbie that year, just that he would have that wisdom and that discipline and that understanding and that he would bring joy to our hearts rather than confusion or grief. And again, it was kindergarten, but I will say God answered that prayer in beautiful ways during that year um, over the course of the, the school year to where by the end, the teacher was like, I don't know what you're doing at home, but he's really become a bright spot in class. But then as so often happens with our prayers, that was an answer that continued to unfold as Robbie grew. He still had that passion and that quickness that marked his um, athletic abilities. And he grew up to be a college athlete, but God sort of brought it under control. And it wasn't this spotless journey. It wasn't like I had this passionate, quick, hot-tempered young man who suddenly became you know, a, a wallflower. It wasn't like that at all, but it was like God shepherded it and brought it under control took him to adulthood in really encouraging and exciting ways. So, you know, that was a prayer when you say, what's a specific prayer for one child that maybe not everybody needed. Um, that was one that I have seen God and continue to see him work in this young man's life. 
Jody, I love how your prayers are proactive. I think that sometimes as parents, we can be reactive. We're just like, just trying to survive the day, especially based on the life stage that our kids are in. Some days you're like, I got, I got them fed. I got them clothed. I got them bathed. That was all I could do. Like that, that was the win. And I (laughs) love the fact that, that you're tilling the soil to be able to say, Hey, no matter what is going on in our lives, I don't want to just have like kind of panic prayers or fire alarm prayers. I want to have like kind of proactive, big picture prayers that I'm, I'm constantly tilling the soil of my own mind and spirit to say, God, will you, will you lead me into your dreams for my child? Cause yeah. left to my own devices, I'll, I might think too small, or I might think wrongly about who I want them to be. Yeah, that's an interesting distinction you draw about, you know, proactive or kind of reactive prayers. And I, I think um, as parents, we are often reactive. It's just part of our nature. But um, one of the things I like to remind people is that when God clues you into a problem when he reveals something that maybe you'd rather not know. Um, it's not, as you say, to get you to panic, but it's to prompt you to pray because, you know, he loves partnering with us. He's the one who has access to our children's thoughts and emotions and wills and behavior. Um, we can't control that. And yet we can slip our hand into our heavenly fathers and pray for those things. So when he shows you something, instead of making it be a, a trigger to panic, let it be a trigger to pray, to just say, God, this doesn't surprise you. Uh, it took me by surprise, you know, and certainly we're going to have times as parents when we get angry, when we grieve, when we question, all of that stuff is, is a normal human emotion. But instead of camping out there, to be able to take hold of the peace that God offers, you know, Philippians four, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, tell God your needs. Don't forget to thank him for his answers. And then he says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding can guard your hearts and your minds. And so as we have this opportunity to pray and come before God with what would be reactive prayers, we can say, you know what, this is, I'm reacting to this, but I'm reacting in a proactive way by stepping into your peace but I also love what you say about kind of digging in and tilling the soil. And, and certainly there are going to be days and seasons, even when we feel like we can barely throw up a God help me help Johnny. And that's, that's fair. You know, King David spent a lot of time saying God help. And I think that's a legitimate prayer. Um, but I, I love making prayer super doable for parents. We've created on my website, uh, prayer calendars folks can download where every day of the month, it's a different topic with the scripture to go with it. And for me, those have been really helpful. There's one for children, for teens, and for adult children, because I might not think to pray, for example, for um, you know my child's time management. And yet on the 12th of the month for the adult children, that's the prayer. And it's from Psalm 90, verse 12, teach my daughter Hillary to number her days, help her spend them wisely. Um, so that those, kind of, those calendars just make it very doable with bite-sized little prayers for things that we maybe even weren't thinking to pray about. Jody, when is it appropriate to let your kids know what your prayers are for them? And when is it better to hold those close to the vest? That's a that's another great question. And I, I meet these young moms who are keeping beautiful prayer journals and they tell me, oh, I want this to be a gift to, you know, my little Susie when she grows up to see how I've prayed. And I've thought to myself, oh, wow, you know, Susie's young and cute. And I thought, I don't know if I want my children to read what I was praying as they hit the teen years and young adult years. They, I mean, they, they know me and they know I love God. And so I, I say that with you know tongue in cheek a little bit because they could certainly read any of it. But um, I think it's always important to let your children know you are praying 
But I also think that there are going to be some things that you want to keep between you and God. You don't want to discourage your kids by letting them see your level of concern or let's be honest, sometimes disappointment. Um, but we can be disappointed in a choice a child makes, but not disappointed in the child, you know, in the same way as God hates our sin, but he loves us, the sinner. I think we can grieve over something and still bless our child, love our child, come alongside our child. But if we let them see how much our heart was broken, it might be counterproductive. I think it might derail them and make them bear an unwanted burden of guilt or shame that we never intended to lump on top of what the original problem was. I, I think that's a lot of wisdom. And I certainly receive that as such, Jody. I remember when our oldest was younger, she was probably, I don't know, four or five. And my wife, Kelly, and I were praying over her like other godly mentors had told us to do. They're like, you know, from a very early age, pray for your kid's spouse. So I, I didn't know any better. I'm tucking her in. I'm like, hey, God, pray for the person that she had for grace. This is decades down the road. It's nowhere near her radar. And she burst into tears. And I'm like, honey, what's <laughs> wrong? And she's like, well, I know that when I get married, you and mom will be old. And when you're old, you're going to die. And I don't want that. <laughs> So in her tiny little brain, she was connecting something that we intended as a blessing oh, and receiving yeah. it as a curse. And we're like, oh. all right, maybe we need to dial it back a little bit. Like maybe that's a prayer that we pray to, in the privacy of our bedroom when she's already asleep, but not in front of her when she's too young to appreciate it. Isn't that funny? Yeah, we do have to kind of put ourselves in our kids' shoes to see how they might receive that. That's a good story. But but on the flip side, I you know, I had a friend who's mom was very well-intentioned, but sometimes she would pray what, what she wanted over her adult child in front of her adult child. And yeah. her adult yeah. child just wasn't, their relationship wasn't in a space and the adult child's spiritual journey wasn't in a place where she could receive it. Right. And she just said like, Hey mom, I need you to stop using prayer as um, a weapon to manipulate right. me. Sure. And, and it broke yeah. the mom's heart. Cause that's not what she intended it, but just not based on a multiplicity of dynamics, yeah. the child couldn't receive it just because yeah. of the, maybe the tone and the history. Does that make right. any sense? That makes complete sense. And I think we want to frame our prayers in the context of a blessing as well. I have one gal I talked with was praying for her daughter to be married. And the you know, lovely young woman, I have no idea why she is not yet married, um, but she's single. And that is a concern for her mom who is praying that she would find a mate. And that is her regular routine drumbeat prayer. And while there's nothing wrong with that prayer, what it's done to the daughter is rob her of the things that the mom could be affirming in her as she prays for her and blesses her. And I've seen a beautiful shift in this one particular relationship as the mom has continued to pray on her own for an eventual marriage, but also just affirmed the daughter's career, affirmed the daughter's friendships, affirmed the daughter's character and her compassion and her kindness, and prayed for openings in, in those areas so that she wasn't feeling like she was defined by her marital status, you know, married, single, divorced, any of that. You know, we never want to label our kids with any one thing, but just to kind of look for those things that we can bless or affirm or come alongside our kids and champion. That's so good. Jody, I had a mentor who told me once, he goes, sometimes we pray for 
God to show us what to do. And he goes, sometimes it's been helpful rather than to fill my prayer time with words to fill my time with silence and say, God, Mm. what do you want me to know? And there are certain seasons where that's been super helpful for me as I pray for my children, because left to my own devices, I want to pray my will, my agenda, my hopes, my dreams over them, as opposed to saying like this mother that you mentioned, uh, of course, she wants her child to be in in a life giving mutually affirming Christ-centered romantic relationship, but it could be that what God is prioritizing in this season of her life is something other than, not not less than, right, but just different right. than what those right. hopes were. And I, I so appreciate yeah. you saying sometimes praying over our kids ch- takes the courage and the humility to, to, to zoom out and say, mm-hmm. Lord, just lead us into the bigger picture so that we yes. don't get stuck in the weeds. Yes. And sort of to piggyback on that, I talked with one very wise mother who said, She'd been praying for her children who were um, making some uh, choices that you and I might call uh, wrong, sinful, you know, pick whatever category or label you want, but they just weren't great choices. And this mom knew that. And she felt that that was not going to be good. So she was praying over and over again, Holy Spirit, convict them, God, convict them of what they're doing, let them know. And she said, she felt like God said, stop they know what they're doing is wrong. You know, this is how you've raised them. They're well aware of that. I'd like you to pray instead that they would see my kindness. You know, we know the Romans, I think it's chapter two, verse four, it might be four two, but I think it's two four where it says God's kindness leads us to repentance. And God was saying, pray that they'll see my kindness, pray that people will come into their lives who will show them my love, pray that they'll be drawn to that. They already know what they're doing is wrong, is sinful. They they don't need conviction. They need to see my love and my grace and be drawn to me. And so for this particular mom, that was so freeing because she felt like she didn't have to keep praying the get them prayer, you know, go get them, God. But she could pray, love them. And even in that, she felt her own freedom to just start start loving her kids instead of trying to correct them. Because, you know, as a, as a parent of adult children, we can't always correct them, but we can always love them. And it's that's a really freeing place to say, you know what, God, I'm going to give my child to you, trust you to work in their hearts. You know, and I always say my favorite adult children prayer is Philippians 2, 13, which says, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And I think, you know, that's my prayer. God, work in my children to will and to act, to desire and to do those things that please you, that line up with your good plans for their lives. And then I can step back and know that he's got a hold of their thoughts and their desires and their behavior. And it's not my job. So it's a really freeing prayer. Jody, talk a little bit about the heart behind praying the scriptures for your adult children. Where where did that come from and and where where are you seeing that particular book land with parents and families well um truth be told uh the publisher had seen the response people gave to the children praying scripture for children and teens and they said how about doing a volume for adult children and i uh thought oh nobody's gonna read that people people figure the cake is baked, you know, I've done my job, my kid is out there for better or for worse. And I just thought, I don't know if anybody's gonna want that. But I just, I agreed to pray about it and think about it and poke around in the Bible to see again, what God would say about some of the issues that my adult kids were facing and some friends were facing. And, you know, sure enough, as you know, I did feel like God said, yeah, write this one. And the response has been just phenomenal. And what I've learned is that 
you never stop being a parent. You know, I, you may move from the front lines to the sidelines, but we're still praying for our children. We're still loving them. And really, I think we're in a place where we need a resource like that even more because we don't have as much hands-on control and we don't have as much community maybe of other parents. You're not on the soccer sidelines or at the playground or going to a back to school night where you're able to network with other parents and say, hey, how are you dealing with this? Or what do you think about the upcoming prom? Or, you know, is your child dealing with that new math teacher? Whatever those things we can, we can talk to in our parent groups. And then when our kids are adults, it can be very easy for parents to feel lonely. Like, is my child the only one that, you know, struggles with pornography? or whose marriage is falling apart, or who is still living with me, or, you know, fill in the blank, 30 different topics we could go on. And we might think, I am the only one. And I think Satan wants us to think that, oh, yeah, you're, you're the only one and your child's hopeless, whatever. Whereas I think if we still had that playground community we, we had when our children were little, maybe it would be more comforting to say, no, you're not the only one. And so I actually, with the praying the scriptures for your adult children, did a study guide that's available free also at jodyburnt.com. And the reason behind that study guide was I thought, you know what, this is, could be a tool that people could use to just get one or two other friends and kind of go through it and pray for each other's children together and find out what God has to say. Um, not just for our kids, our children, but for us so that we feel like we're not alone. We're still in community. So good. And before I forget, it's Jody, J-O-D-I-E-B-E-R-N-D-T.com if that's a resource that you want to track down. Jody, what do you say to parents who feel like they did everything right? Mm. Uh, they prayed the prayers when they were little, they got their kids dedicated, they got their kids baptized, they, they were at church three times a week, and they turned 18, or they turned 22, or they turned 27, and their emotional, spiritual, relational lives don't turn anything out like what they had hoped and prayed and wished for. What, what do you say to parents who are two years, four years, six years into that season and they're just, they're just starting to feel a lot of fatigue yeah. and despair. I would say, Hey, let's be friends. Cause I'm right there with you. I've been there. And, and I think what you're describing is really, really common. And a couple of things. One, I would say, you know, look at God. He was the perfect parent, right? And what happened with his kids, <laughs> Adam and Eve, you know, they went astray, walked away from his best plan for them. So God knows how we feel. And I love you see in the book of Hosea chapter 11, where God reflects on and remembers what it was like when Israel, when his children were young, he says, I bent down to feed you. I clothed you. I carried you all these tender images that we also have as we remember raising our own kids. And then God says, you know, and then you grew up and you went away, you walked away from me. And, and God admits in that Hosea chapter that his anger's aroused and for God, the compassion and the love trumps the anger, but you see his heart as a father. And it's so similar to places where we've walked when we think, I love you. And you've walked away. I've taught you. I've tried to do everything right. We love to think that A plus B equals C kind of thing in this, in this formula. Like if you do this and to do that, you're going to get this. And and that's not what happens because as you know, and your listeners know, you know, we all are sinful. We all have our free will. Robbie and I, my husband and I are part of a group of empty nest couples. And these are couples that are just like what you would describe where 
you know, we took our kids to church. We had a mission trips, their own. And as a family, we did family devotions, all the things, chore charts and Bible memory. I mean, I dressed our son up as Bible man for Halloween. I was like, okay, we are the Bible family. If we're going out there, we are going to be handing out Bible verses. <laughs> and so I just look back on that. And yet in this group of couples, as we've been doing life together now on the other side of empty nesting, we're looking and our kids have faced some very real struggles. They're the things that I detail in the Praying the Scriptures for Your Adult Children book, addictions and joblessness and looking for a place to live and finding a marriage partner and then watching a marriage struggle and even watching a marriage crumble or infertility or, you know, again, on and on and on. Some just the result of living in a fallen world, some the result of a bad choice a child's made. But in any of those cases, I would say, and I write about this in the epilogue to the book because what you're asking about is something that I went through myself as working on this book and my kids are having some things happen in their lives that are just um, hard, not like I thought they should be. And I said, God, you know, I trusted you. I trusted you. Um, I feel like a lame Christian because I write and I speak about prayer. So you would think that I would have the faith to believe in you but I'm feeling kind of blue right now. And I'm wondering what you're doing or where you are. And God was so sweet because he didn't, he didn't reprimand me, but he did point my thoughts in a different direction. And I just sensed him say, Jody, you know, you didn't trust me. You trusted in your agenda. You trusted in what you thought would happen, your timing, your outcomes. And he said, I don't want you to want an outcome. I want you to want me. You know, I want relationship more than result. And so for those parents who are working, walking in that hard place, my advice would be just because I've been there would be to just lean into God, restake your trust in him, find some verses that speak to your soul and hang on to those things. Get with other parents who will pray for you and for your kid when you just feel too fatigued to do so. And again, I've been there. Um, and then commit to just trusting God, because at the end of the day, he loves our kids more than we do. He knows how they're wired. He knows what will speak to them. And he's always working. You know, it's not like he says, okay, I've given that child five chances. I'm moving on to the next project, the next person. You know, he's always pursuing our children, always loving our children, always wooing them back. And he's doing the same thing for us. You know, I look around and I meet parents all the time who feel like, oh, why did I say that? Why did I do that? I feel like I've wrecked my kid. I wish I could have a do-over. You know, our marriage fell apart or I went back to work or I didn't go back to work or whatever it is. And I would say what, what you know, I'm not the one who invented this line. I've heard it from many wiser people than me, but our ability to ruin our kids is nothing compared to God's ability and his desire actually to redeem them. And so when we look at a child who's in a hard place, walking in a bad way, we can trust Redeemer God that he's not giving up and that he's going to use our mistakes and our kids' mistakes to bring about something good. And not, not just sweep them under the rug, but actually use the icky stuff to weave the new and glorious thing.
That's great, Jody. I heard an author recently say that it's often easy for us to trust God with the capital R as a resurrection. Like we believe in the resurrection of Christ and we believe in the resurrection of all things on the final day when Christ returns. But sometimes we struggle to believe in little R resurrections, that God's ability or a desire and capacity to redeem the, the little bumps or maybe the major set, setbacks that this side of eternity. And I, I appreciate that. That's that's a good word. Cause yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I, I, I say it differently of just almost like it's very easy for me to trust big picture, sovereign, in control, purposeful, loving God. But on a Wednesday afternoon, when the sky is falling, it's, <laughs> you know, it's harder to find that anchor for the trust and you really have to be intentional about it. Sure. One more question, Jody. What do you do? Because this is something I'm trying to navigate with one of my one of my teenage daughters. What do you do when your children they they love you, they love the Lord, but they've just had some really rough experiences with the church that have made them bitter uh, and skeptical and cynical. And I, I, I can imagine that this is this is more widespread than I might choose to believe, especially when it comes to teenagers or adult kids. What do you say to parents who are like, man, I, we fought hard to find a good, healthy church, but despite our best intentions, uh, broken people make broken decisions. And the fallout has been very real and threatening for my child's faith journey. What what do I do now? What, what do you say to those parents and, and families? Yeah, and you're right. That is a real problem. And it's um, a heartache. I know it grieves God's heart is more than it grieves ours even. And I would say um, the first thing would be, and, and, you know, your team of trained counselors is obviously so much better equipped than I am to answer this, but my gut would be to just say, to come alongside your child, to validate what they're feeling, because no child wants to be told, you know, we serve the church, we, you know, love the church, and you're just going to have to get over yourself when they have been hurt or are wounded in some way, or when they've seen something go on with a friend, whatever. But to just say, yeah, that is really, really tough. Um, and I can see why you're hurting, and we're all hurting. And then maybe point them to examples in scripture, where, um, you know, Jesus, of course, was betrayed. Um, King David, his son tried to take his throne, you know, humans are broken and fallible. And the Bible is littered with horrible stories of family dysfunction and, and, you know, all of that. But I think God puts those things in there to let us know that he is sovereign over our lives. And that, yes, we are broken and fallible and we will hurt one another but our anchor is not supposed to be in one another or even in a church body, but our hope and our anchor is supposed to be in the Lord himself. And he's the one we can tell our kids who will never let them down, who will never betray them, who will never leave them. Um, even if they feel like their church, their youth leader, their pastor, their friends in the youth group, you know, whoever has, has hurt them, left them, betrayed them, wronged them. Um, God never will. And I think that's where we need to just come alongside and say, yeah, I understand it. I get that you're hurting and um, we are too, but I'll just tell you, God will, God will never leave you. Jody had a great piece of feedback from a friend of mine. His name was Dan. And he said, Steve, I'm learning that even when the institution of God can be ugly, the people of God are always beautiful. And mm. that's been a great gift to me because I've been able to circle back with, with my daughter and, and need to do so again, to be able to say, yeah, the church as an institution or the organization maybe failed you here, 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 and here, but, but we have, we have people in our lives. We have people in our tribe who are fully surrendered to Jesus. They're 
confidence is in scripture. They reflect the character of God and they, they have been gifts to us here, 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 and here. And, and that number will always match, if not exceed, uh, hopefully the, the instances of pain or or hurt or dissolution. Absolutely. And you know, God doesn't waste anything. And so if you're in a position where a child or a teenager is hurting from something like that, um, you and I know where we are as adults that that will likely not be the last time that they sense some kind of betrayal or wrong from someone who they trusted in the body of Christ, whether it's a person or an institution. And I think we can pray that God would use this early experience to both fill them with grace, but also to fill them with strength and strengthen the tether that they have to the living God during that time. Um, so that when the next big wave comes, you know, they'll, they'll be able to have their footing under them. Jody, thank you so much for your time. You've given many, many things for me and my wife, Kelly, to think about, pray about, and work on. If you want to learn more about Jody's ministry and work, you can go to her website, jodyburnt.com. Again, the books are the Praying the Scriptures series. Today, we spoke uh, specifically about praying the scriptures for your adult children. Uh, That's a resource that will be helpful to your family or maybe a family that you know. Jody, thanks again for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Lord bless you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.